Hello guys, welcome to another Monday Mana. Back at it again. Um, today we're going to be doing another Monday Mana. Going through Genesis. As you can see, if you're watching, my cat is <laughs> currently just sleeping on my chair. And if you're listening, well, imagine somebody sitting on a chair and the headrest directly behind him, the little cute little kitty cat, is going to sleep. So... We're going to be getting into it, getting into Genesis, and we left off um, on chapter 14 is where we left off. Yes, we left off in verse 13, so we're going to be starting back up on 14. I haven't unlocked my phone, get my notes. <laughs> um, it's actually it's kind of funny, my, my notes are all scatterbrained today. I have them on a piece of paper and on my phone, it's just, is what it is, right? Um, but we're going to be getting into it. Hopefully you enjoy it, and um, we can have a blessed time of fellowship. And, uh, yeah. So, well, my... <laughs> okay, well, she decided to get out of here. We're going to get back into it. So, let's get into it. Genesis, chapter 9, verse what? 14. So, let's, for some context, um... Just watch the previous Monday, Monday 25. I'll link it down below. But God is now giving promises to the family of Noah. And uh, in the last one, we went through, you know, the reckoning, how there's a biblical... This is actually the biblical case for capital punishment, right, um, to death penalty. Again, all of that... Um, Watch the Monday Man 20, uh, episode 25. I'll link that down below. And uh, But with this one, we're going to be starting off in verse <clears throat> 13. It talks about the rainbow. This is just a an amazing point brought in the fact that God literally made a rainbow, right? He, he created something. Because I don't believe that there was an already in rainbow. Again, watch the previous one. Uh, but he's changing now reality to show the promise of that. He's never going to flood the earth again. Um, and, and what a beautiful thing, right? And this is something that we can all see with, with the character of God. How he will change things, gives us signs to show us his love and grace for us. And the ultimate example that we can see of that is Jesus, right? Sending his only son um, to die on the cross for our sins, right? So... 14, let's start out at 14. Um, we can kick it back to 13 and then 14. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And the covenant, again, March 25, but basically is going through and saying, no longer shall I cut off the earth, kill every living thing with waters. I'm going to have this rainbow as a sign every single time you see it. Now when clouds come over, you're going to see that I have grace for humanity, right? Even though they are wicked, I'm going to have grace, not going to again wipe out all of humanity with a flood. Again, interestingly, though, we see in Revelation that the earth is actually destroyed with a fire, right? So God's very particular with his words, and he means it with water, but he never said with fire, so that's an interesting thing. But again, Revelation, a whole different topic to go about, but it is um, kind of a cool thing to see that. So, Continuing on in verse 14. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be in the cloud. Again, like I said, bringing over when clouds happen, when rain starts to form. Now this sign 
of the covenant between humanity, not just Noah and his sons, but humanity, is going to be seen now in, in full picture, right? The, the rainbow comes when clouds come uh, because that's a sign, hey, even though it's going to rain, it's not going to flood the earth like it did. So continuing on, verse 15, And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Night, uh, 16. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on earth. And God said to Noah, 17, This is the sign of the covenant which I established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So, just reiterated what has been said god is saying just like when the floods happen that clouds come on and rain that clouds come and rain on the earth is to judge and to flood it right that's what the clouds when they come to flood the earth clouds came and instead when clouds come it's gonna again like i said have that covenant sign showing god's grace and interestingly God is saying, when I see it, and that, that's the interesting part that I really found, no is, God says, when I see it, um, and it shall be when I, when I, and you saw this all I, because he does it, right? God's the, he, he's Lord of our creation. When I bring over the cloud, that the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will remember. So when I bring the cloud, I will remember, and this is a great picture of what Christ is, Right, God sends his son and makes a new covenant in his blood. And when he sees Christ, he sees the sign, which is the sign of that new covenant. I think this is a great um, thing that we have in Christ, right? Because I, just like the rainbow is a sign when God sees that, when God brings clouds, he sees that, hey, I'm going to have grace, right? No longer, I'm not going to flood like I did. Um, that's what Christ is to us in a sense, obviously. I'm not going to stretch it too far than it needs to be, but in, in a sense it is. It, it's God, when ultimately we stand before God in judgment, which we all will, Christian or not, doesn't matter. If you're saved, God looks at Christ because Christ says, no, I've given them my righteousness, right? And God looks at Christ's righteousness, and he sees the sign of that covenant and the sign of his righteousness. And I think it's a beautiful thing, that similarity that we can saw. Because God's God keeps his promises, and when he sees a sign, he doesn't break it. When he sees a sign of a covenant, he doesn't break it. God will always keep his promises. And when he sees us with Christ, right, Christ is that sign, the ultimate sign of that, of that covenant, of that promise, of that grace and how if you put your faith and trust in him he looks to christ you know what a beautiful thing that when god looks to us he sees not our own righteousness but Christ's righteousness and what a beautiful thing that is so continuing on in verse 18 noah and his sons a little heading again i always say this there was no headings back in the day but they can be helpful sometimes and this one is just pretty plain and simple it is it's apropos right as we're gonna see so i'll get back to boom there you go. And now the sons of Noah went out of the ark. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark, excuse me, were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. This is something that it's going to be very much um, an important reason for it. 
Um, so we're going to use that. That's kind of a pivotal point. And these three were the sons of 19, verse 19. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. This again gives the point of how all the sons came from a common ancestor, Adam, then Noah, and so on and so forth. Another point is again is the mention of Ham and, and Cain, and that's going to be a pivotal point that we're going to see. Verse 20. And Noah began to be a farmer and planted a vineyard. Then he drank and drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. So we see from kind of the genealogical way uh, standpoint that we're switching on to what's happening in Noah. Um, and Ham, the father of Canaan, again, they're really bringing up this part of Canaan, uh, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Ham, but Shem and Japheth, sorry, took a garment and laid it on both their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. And so Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. So Ham is the younger son. And this is, I, I, this whole story, when I first read it, almost confused me. But what's interesting in the beginning couple of verses, what Noah's doing. To the name of Noah, like any good man in those days, what would Noah do? Well, he'd plant a farm, right? He became a farmer to provide and care for his family. Moreover, he planted a vineyard, the first sensed, at least recorded, that is, the first recorded vineyard um, since that time from the flood of man, which is pretty cool. Um, but through 21, we see that he's drinking and becoming drunk. Um, we see, though, Noah found favor in the eyes of God, like we see late, uh, earlier in Genesis. We still see the folly of man, moreover, the folly of drunkenness, because of the impaired state Noah was in and he became uncovered that's an interesting thing he became uncovered right um and he uncovered himself and not uncovered himself like willingly which would again would be questionable in that case as well but the interesting thing is that we see what drunkenness does it impairs you and it's, it's just, I think it's so funny because it says, and became uncovered in the sin. It didn't say he did it, right? It shows how when we get drunk, when we become impaired, you lose, you, you have a lax in your judgment, and, and you are impaired, and it's harder and more difficult to make better, wise decisions because you don't know your surroundings. You don't know where you're at. You lose your ability to judge properly. And I think, that's the, again, that's the biggest thing about drunkenness, right? We see, I mean, obviously, for no other reason than to change or to go to the bathroom, but you wouldn't go to the bathroom in your tent in those days, or to, for instance, if you wanted to be with his wife. Those would be the only type of t cases to be just uncovered naked right um because for you know no good person just lounges around in their house naked right that's that's foolishness nobody does that right um but we see that he became uncovered i just i find that so funny because because he drank 
right? And, and this is again, we can show that. And, and actually, I, I had a thought. Uh, I had a thought while I was thinking about this. I was like, man, is is the state of being drunk a sin, or is it things that you do while being drunk? And, I, and it kind of puzzled me. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more it, it sort of came to me and being drunk and the reason why it's sinful and not good is it is because you are willingly putting yourself in a state to make to be more likely to make unwise and sinful decisions right this decision that Noah's making here of just he willingly so he willingly drank right it doesn't say he was forced to drink it doesn't say somebody you know opened his gullet and started pointing out no he willingly drank and because of that now because of his lax and his impaired judgment he just he doesn't even know it but he's uncovered now and now because of that he's opening himself up to reproach right he's opening himself up to perhaps you know cuz uh, perhaps the the wife of his sons may come in and he's all naked and drunk and who knows what could have happened then. He's putting him in a position that is can potentially cause sinful and, and not good decisions, right? Because I don't think necessarily um, right, being uncovered in months 10 is, is a sin, but to willingly put yourself in an impaired state where you're more likely and you, you don't have proper judgment, I think that's a sin, right? That definitely, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, right? And the, the Bible is replete with going over, hey, to be sober-minded because the idea is to be in a state where we can make good judgments. And when you're drunk, you can't. And so God wants us to always be in a state where we can make good judgments where we can do the right thing when you're drunk i wouldn't say it's impossible but it's very very hard and and almost impossible almost um so to make good decisions and in this case noah makes an unwise decision it doesn't even make it just happens because of his drunkenness because his judgment is not there anymore. Stuff is just happening. And now we can see that this occasion with his younger son, Ham, happens. Now, what is going on with these couple of verses with Ham? It's a funny name, Ham, right? It's literally Ham, like, you know. Um, now, what's happening here is that Ham's coming in, right? And when I first saw this, I, I often wondered, I was like, what's going on? Okay, so Ham comes in on his father, Noah, being drunk, and he's naked. He comes in, and he sees his uh, his father naked, and then he goes out and tells his two brothers. Now, we see that this isn't a very inappropriate response, okay? Um, and we know this because of what's about to happen after we see that the first thing that the other two brothers do is instead of going in there and looking at themselves because i i don't think it was as if ham's coming in and lusting after his father it's nothing it, none of that is happening here right it doesn't say that it's not in the text that's not happening he's more 
what he's doing is coming in, seeing his father naked, and telling his two brothers and kind of like making fun of them, right? Hey, look at our dad. He's, he's sitting there drunk, naked in his tent. And that's the inappropriate thing to do, not honoring your parents, even, you know, in uh, to, you're basically humiliating your dad, right? You know, the better thing would to be, okay, do what the other two brothers do, where they take a garment, they lay on their shoulders. So interestingly, they both have the, the garment laying on both their shoulders, and they're walking backwards in order not to see their naked father. Now, um, are they not wanting to see him because they're going to lust or something like that? No, that's not it. What it is 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 out of respect. You don't want to look at your naked, drunken father or mother or any naked person. Out of you. You're respecting them, right? And, of course, not to have lust because in either case, to look at a nude person in scorn or lust, which we can see Ham is in scorn, right, just kind of making fun of his father, is both sinful. And so Ham did the inappropriate response, and Sham and Japheth are doing the right thing and saying, okay, we're actually going to help our father. We know he's in this state of drunkenness, and he, he's obviously not doing good. We're going to do the right thing and cover him, cover his nakedness in order that something bad may not happen. No reproach may come to him, and we're not going to look at him out of respect for because he's our father. Um, and they do this. And Noah wakes up and he knew what his younger son had done to him. That's the interesting thing. He hasn't done anything, but what he did do is tell his brother, and notice this, he did not help his brothers. It said Ham and Japheth. Sam, Sam, Ham was not involved in this in any way. So not only did Ham just come and see his naked father and then, you know, tell his two brothers and kind of laugh at it, he didn't even help them cover him back up. So it would be one thing to kind of come out and and sort of mock it and just tell your brothers but he tells his brothers and then doesn't help him cover him back up so he obviously had some dishonor and some scorn towards his father at least at this point and this is the thing that uh, makes the most sense in this context um as we can see and because of this what's happening because of the the dishonoring and the sort of scorn that Han has for his father, not even wanting to cover him, not even wanting to help, would be one thing to kind of just tell to your brothers. It would be another thing that if he told his brothers and then helped him cover him, right? Because the most appropriate thing in this situation was Ham goes in, doesn't really tell anybody, and then just covers him father covers his father himself that would have been the appropriate thing you're honoring your parent and you're not wanting to bring reproach to them um you're being respectful of your parent even though your parent is being unwise and doing a thing that could lead them in a bad position you're going to help them and um you know bring them back kind of snap to back to reality type of deal and bring them back to the lord and Ham didn't do that. And Ham, what it seems like, had once had no part in actually helping uh, their father in his drunken state rather than just to talk about it and then not help at all. And because of this, Noah wakes from his mind maybe the next day or just kind of wakes up in sobriety. And he knows that what is done, his Ham has done to him. You know, he just told him and then didn't do anything and basically was like, oh, I don't really care about you, Dad. 
And because of this, we see, Cursed be Canaan. So this is Noah speaking. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. Now this is a point to bring up. We see Ham, that keeps reemphasizing Canaan, the father of Canaan. We know this is a, a sort of prophetic thing that he's about to say. And that he actually has said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of her servants, he shall be to his brethren. Canaan, we know, is the family of all of the neighboring and warring tribes of the people of God. Uh, Philistia, the Assyrians, these are all people that come from Canaan. And this is exactly right. The servant of servant part is talking about when the other sons come into power, they actually put them under servitude. And that's kind of alluding to that. It's that prophetic thing that God, that Noah is saying to his sons. And he continues on, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and may Canaan be a servant. Again, we're going to see this later in the, in the throughout the Bible, how they put under subjugation people like the Syrians and uh, the Philistines. They have you know, different towns that are under their rule, talking about that sort of servitude um, that they are put under because of this. And continuing on verse 29, May God enlarge Japheth, Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Again, really emphasizing Canaan. And again, Canaan is Ham's uh, son. So he's not cursing directly Ham himself, but rather cursing his son. Because interestingly, we see that they were all blessed by God as soon as they get off the ark. Um, so he's just cursing his son. And that's why they kept bringing up the point of Ham, the father of Canaan. And we see that this is a very prophetic thing going on. Uh, we know that actually the line... Um, later comes from Japheth. And this is sort of alluding, may God enlarge Japheth. That's a specific thing um, that he says about Japheth and not of Shem. He says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, may Cain be a servant. But may God enlarge Japheth. That's actually where the line of David and Jesse, the ultimate Messiah, comes from. And may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Again, really emphasizing this point. This is one of those things where when you read it... Okay, whoops, I want to make a correction. I was just looking, and I was like, I don't... I think I got this wrong. This part wrong. Not uh, Japheth was the line. It was Shem. Sorry. I just want to... Uh, change that sorry yeah it's Shem actually that the line uh, of David and Jesse and ultimately the Messiah that's why he said blessed be the God of Shem so Shem so I got that honestly with these names Shem, Ham, and Japheth they're weird names uh, but it's Shem actually where the line of the Messiah comes from not Japheth I just wanted to make that quick little adjustment I mean going through these lines man the the lineages we see in the Bible can be 
very confusing sometimes, so forgive me for that. But I just want to make that correction. So it was the line of Shem actually where the Lord comes from, not Japheth. Just wanted to make that correction. I guess I could have edited it out, but why not, right? Keep it in. Um so so moreover, like I said too as well, we're gonna reiterate Canaan was not just Philistia, but it was Babylon and Egypt as well. So these are the constant sort of I mean, this is where all the peoples come from, so we see that this is the constant feud that now happens because of this. And this is really one of those texts where I look at it and it's it's crazy to see the what seems to be you almost question you're like is this holy spirit led or is it them just the way that old testament and new testament but old testament we can see that something will happen say noah's life and moses's life and they'll just straight up give up a curse straight up give up a blessing and we see that this ultimately is holy spirit led or led in some way by god because it ultimately happens right because if they're just spouting out random curses and stuff and it doesn't happen we know that they're just kind of full of themselves but these things that they're doing god honors right these are prophetic things that noah is saying interestingly because of what the son has done to him um but it was the own folly of noah for even being naked in the first place so it's it's a funny thing but we see that because of the dishonoring of canaan noah gives out this prophetic curse to all of them or to to ham specifically and then a blessing to the rest of them and god honors that and and god honors that through we can see throughout the bible because again canaan is like egypt philistia babylon and the assyrians that's canaan right and we can see the subjugation layer that we're going to see from shem uh shem which is israel later subjugates some of those you know the philistines and egypt and and so forth that happens later on you know some of the towns and whatnot so this happens. This isn't just him, you know, saying stuff, you know, because he's just mad at his son. No, these are things that he's saying that actually happen. These are prophetic things. And it's it's just wow. It's it's, it's a reverent sort of wow thing when we see the authority that these Old Testament and New Testament people have that they speak these prophetic things and, and God honors that and and ultimately it is um, led in, in part by God because God's not going to you know honor a curse that's just wild and made up right I mean we can see this with we can even see this with uh, J- uh, Jacob and Esau right how even Jacob and Esau technically speaking Esau should have been the one where kind of the line of the Messiah came from. But because he literally sold his birthright for soup. Man, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Imagine you're selling your birthright for soup. 
But imagine being the brother that says, hey, I'll give you, you, you're literally dying. Well, he wasn't dying, but he was very hungry. Hey, instead of me just being a nice brother and giving you stew, give me your birthright. What a, what a terrible brother you are, right? Imagine my brother comes, I, have, I mean, I have an older brother. It doesn't really work like this nowadays, but, oh, you're dying and you hungry? Yeah, well, give me your birthright, then I'll give you some food. <laughs> like, that's insane. Um, but we see even with that how the father, Jacob's father, what was Jacob's father's name? Man, I'm forgetting right now. But Jacob's father blesses and curses them and says, you know, Esau's going to be the servant of Jacob, and Jacob's going to be kind of where everything comes from. And I say that all to say that God works all things for his uh, for his good and for the ultimate purpose of bringing the Messiah. We see that God has sovereignty over all, but we still have free will. I think very well if Ham, you know, would have done the right thing, who knows what would have happened. We know that ultimately God works it for his will and he's sovereign over all. So I think it's just, I don't dwell on it a lot, neither. I don't think you should either. But it's cool to see how we can see that that actions had real consequences for these people in the book. It wasn't just something set in stone. No, they had a choice and they made the bad choice. I don't know what would have happened if Ham didn't do this. Maybe the three nations would have got along. There would have really been a strife. Who knows? But we see that because of the the dishonoring of his own father here, that this is what happens. But ultimately, again, God works it for his good and brings about the Messiah through Shem. So... But with that being said, guys, hopefully y'all enjoyed. I will hit y'all back this coming Monday, Monday, man. Uh, so y'all take it easy. Love y'all. Like and subscribe or at heart and follow if you're on Spotify. With that being said, think about yourself less and think about God a whole lot more. Y'all take it easy. Peace.